Are we ready for the Word of God? Are you ready to grow? <laughs> good, good. Because look what the title is. Rooted, rooted. Anything that's rooted grows. Good or bad, actually. Good or bad. Everything rooted grows. So you know what? Just from the get-go, I just want to share a little bit about my husband. One of the first things that I learned about Chris when we... Within, a, within two weeks of knowing each other, he actually proposed. And I wouldn't recommend it. Look, praise God, it worked. You know, <laughs> 27 years later, we're very much in love. And, uh, you know, it's working. So, um, <laughs> but he knew that after two weeks, listen, I better grab her. So, but one of the first things I learned about Chris was his love for trees. His love for trees. And you know what? I've caught some of that love. You know, I never thought, I'm not a tree hugger, okay? Just in case, you know, please don't buy me a tree and say, you know, you can hug this tree. I'm not a tree hugger and neither is Chris. But we just love trees. Just yesterday, we peered out of our window, you know, with the central heating on, and we looked out of the window and we saw we've got a, we've got a cherry tree in our garden. And just as the sun caught the, the ends of the branches, we could see there's little red shoots, because it's a red, red leaf tree. There's these little red shoots coming out, because spring is coming. I don't know if you've noticed a couple of daffodils about. You know, it's awesome, isn't it? We've had a long winter. So it's about time we have a little bit of green shoots of recovery, isn't it? I think so, hey. And then also, you know, during summer, about trees, they're always in full bloom, you know, where they're full of leaves. They are beautiful. Some bear fruit, some are nuts. It's a bit like a cereal, they say. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. No, but trees don't have flakes. But fruits and nuts. And, um, and then slowly, well, quickly, summer comes to an end in this country. And um, it's soon autumn. And who, who enjoys leaf crunching? You know, when the leaves are falling and just going for a walk and you hear those leaves crunching underfoot, there's just something lovely about And the smell that comes up from the earth. It's so fantastic. And so we've got, we have spring and summer and autumn. And then we also have winter. And when all the leaves are gone, and yet, you know what, there's a beauty in those trees, even with their bare branches, when there's no leaves, there's just something about a tree that's silhouetted against the gray, cold sky of winter. So, and so with this in mind, thinking about trees, our theme for the next number of months is going to be rooted. But you know what, there are numerous analogies in the Bible which use trees uh, the Bible uses trees as an analogy in our lives. And I'm just going to name a few because they're very well known. It's okay. The baby's fine. The baby's fine. She's, she's loving it. Hey, St hey, little Tiffany, you, you good girl. She's loving it. She's singing God's praises. But we think of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 draws a comparison between a person who delights in God's word and... Um, and a tree planted by rivers of water. And Psalm 1 says that it results in a blessed, prosperous, and fruitful life. That's Psalm 1. Another one, Jeremiah 17. I'm not going to go there to all these scriptures. You can write them down. 
But Jeremiah 17 compares a person who even in the midst of heat and drought consistently hopes and trusts in the Lord. And they compare that person, the the prophet Jeremiah compares that person to a tree that spreads out its roots by the waters and continues to bear leaves and produce fruit. That's an analogy from Jeremiah 17. Zechariah 4, the scripture from last year over this church was from Zechariah 4, that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And in Zechariah 4, there's this image of these olive trees, these two olive trees in the temple. And that's depicting the presence, the olive, olive tree, olive oil. It always is depicting the Holy Spirit. So same, Jesus is building his church. He is building this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Psalm 92, I love this one. You know, I had a birthday last week, and somebody's got a birthday tomorrow. But But Psalm 92 draws an analogy between palm trees and cedars and those who are planted in the house, planted in the house. And well, listen to what the promise is in Psalm 92. They still bear fruit and flourish in old age. Amen. And all those over 60, all those over 50 said, all those, I see that 40-year-old hand, we're going to flourish in our old age. Amen. So there are constant references throughout the Bible. There are loads of others. But we are constantly being reminded of references about being rooted, about being grounded, about being grafted in. Another good one, John 15, being grafted in and producing fruit in due season. So we're going to look at Colossians Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. This is our foundation scripture for today. And it says this, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received Christ, how did we receive Christ Jesus? By faith, by faith, by surrendering to him. And the Bible says, as the same way that you've received him, walk in him. And he says, this is how. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Isn't that wonderful? I love the, 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 the words of the Bible. They, they're just so beautiful. They're almost poetic, but they're truth. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. So the new King James rooted and built up in him. Another translation, the ERV, says, depend on Christ only, drawing life and strength from him. This is what it means to be rooted in him. Draw life and strength from him. The TLB says, let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. I loved the way um, Stephen opened up, you know, talking about, opened up the service, talking about in God's presence is fullness 
of joy. And at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. You know what? If you came in here miserable, or maybe you've had a difficult, tough week, but you know what? Just one minute in God's presence changes everything. It changes everything. Let your roots grow down into him. Draw up nourishment from him. So the, the, the word, the Greek word for rooted. Hi, everybody. Take a, grab a seat. There's some seats in the front here too as well. Okay. Rooted, the Greek word means to be thoroughly grounded. It means having a stable foundation. I like what the Collins Dictionary says. Strongly influenced. Strong, what does it mean to be rooted? It means to be strongly influenced, firmly fixed, developed, rooted in him, rooted in him. And that brings us to the title of the series, Rooted. So thinking about trees, thinking about analogy of trees and what is the purpose of roots. What's the purpose of trees, of, 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 of tree, the purpose of roots in trees? And look at this, just by coincidence, thank you, Shanae, she bought me this beautiful plant, and it's actually in soil inside here. And um, so this little plant is rooted. I love that. Thank you. Isn't that amazing how God knew what we had need of? Praise God. But the purpose of roots in trees is to draw nutrients from the soil and to take in water for the entire tree. And it also, the purpose of roots, stabilize and anchor the tree, especially during storms. And just as a tree or a plant needs roots to get the source of nutrients it needs, so do we. So do we. We need roots that go down deep, not just superficial, surface level, that type of thing, but we're making sure that our lives are firmly fixed, strongly influenced by Jesus, strongly. You know what? I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of the world where this message, I believe, is so key, that we need to be strongly influenced in Jesus. So we've got to make sure that we are rooted in, that, that whatever, that which we are rooted in should feed us, should nourish us, and should stabilize us. You know, our pastor in South Africa used to say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. We need to be established. We need to put our roots into God and draw out that source of life. And I believe that God's got us on a journey in family church. I know that. Um, but he wants us to come deeper in him. We, he wants us to lose the superficial Christianity. And he wants us to draw away from the crowd experience and to pursue that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and his word. And you know what? We all start somewhere. When I got saved on the 15th of September, 1991, it was in a mega church. There were about 5,000 people in that room. 
And I felt very alone, you know, um, being there amongst all these people. I didn't know, I knew one person, that was my daughter, but I didn't know anybody else. But you know what? God used that in my life, and I'm sure he's used something similar, even if it wasn't a mega church, even if it was just a smaller church, but God has used the crowd experience. There's purpose in the crowd experience, not saying, let's get rid of the crowd. No, there is purpose in the crowd, but that's not where we should remain. Let's not be remaining. You know, when you, when you go through the, the Gospels, we notice how the crowd constantly sought Jesus because they were seeking him for the help that he could give them, that he could give them. And Jesus always responds to human needs. He always does. So whether it was healing the sick, casting out demons, stilling the storm, feeding the hungry, Jesus always was moved with compassion. He never turned the people away. At times he withdrew and he went to a lonely place, a quiet place to get alone with the Father, but he never, uh, at times they sent people away, but never from his presence. He always met needs and always inclusive. Jesus always reached out. Didn't matter who they were, lepers, that a highly contagious disease, but um, Jesus would touch. He touched the lepers. The woman with the issue of blood, who in, that, in, that, in those biblical times was classified as an outcast. She was unclean. She shouldn't have been in the presence of God. But he allowed her to touch him. The, the outcasts, foreigners, you know, Samaritans, Gentiles, you name it. He was inclusive, tax collectors, sinners. God, Jesus loves people and he cares for them. And he came as a healer and a restorer from, to all people, from all manner, all walks of life. But there's more to the Christian life than just being on the receiving end to our needs being met. There has to be. All throughout the Bible, I, was, I looked it up, you know, to see what, what was the terminology around the crowds, around the multitudes. And they come around with words like, they would be in attendance, just attending. You know what, we can come to church and we can attend church and leave unchanged. Or we can engage. We can be all in, hearing from God. The crowds would gather around Jesus. What could he do for me? Thronging around him, the Bible says. Pressing about him. Seeking to touch him because they had a need. The crowd even, I love this expression, they marveled at him. It's the Marvelettes. There was, I think there was a band called the Marvelettes. Like, ooh, they just marveled at him. They admired him. But we called to get away from admiring Jesus, to loving him, to drawing closer to him, to being conformed to his image. That's what the Christian life is about. If you want to know what is your calling... Here it is. You're called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We're called to be little anointed ones in this earth that has such a need of a savior. The disciples, we've spoken about the crowds, but the disciples 
were the ones who responded to Jesus' call, follow me. Come to me. That's what the disciples did. Abide in me. These are the words of Jesus to the disciples. The crowds hungered for miracles, but the disciples hungered for Jesus. They hungered for him. And when it came to the miracles, the crowds were consumers. You want bread? Here. You want healing? Here. Whatever you need, I'll meet your needs. They were excited about the miracles, partaking of them. But the, the fantastic thing is that, yes, it's good to be excited about the miracles, and we believe in God for miracles. But the disciples handled the miracles. They were in that inner circle of Jesus's. So when we see the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000, when Jesus handed the bread to the disciples, he blessed it, handed it to the disciples. The, the, the bread and the loaves, the fish and the loaves, were consumed by the crowd, but distributed by the disciples. Let's become distributors. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, isn't it? So the disciples were engaged in the miracles of Jesus, not just the public ones, but you know what? There's some private ones too, some private miracles that, Jesus, that the disciples saw. Only the disciples witnessed the wind and the waves obey Jesus. The crowds weren't there. Only the, only the disciples. There's something about Jesus drawing us. Jesus drawing us, eh? Only the disciples witnessed Jesus walking on the water. The crowds were nowhere around. The disciples witnessed the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. The disciples witnessed the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. Remember, he put them out. He put the people out. Get the mourners out of the place. Keep the disciples close. They witnessed someone being raised from the dead. The, the disciples witnessed the man born blind receive his sight just from Jesus' spit and some mud. How awesome. So, draw away from the crowd. Become a disciple. Become a pupil. A follower. One who applies what they learn. One who applies what they learn. Disciples listen, they learn, they love and live his word. They love and live his word. They learn not just to know, but they learn to grow. You know what, it's, it's like if you were going to go for your driver's license, you'd have to pass a test, Right? But when you go for your driver's license, the objective isn't just to pass the test. The objective is to know how to drive, isn't it? And it's the same with the Word of God. Let us learn in order to grow, not just head knowledge. Head knowledge is of no use. It's about heart transformation. It's about taking information, becoming revelation, and heart transformation. I read this the other day, and I quoted it last week, and I feel it's worth emphasizing, because in that scripture from Colossians 2, it says, 
that you are to be rooted and built up and grounded in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Nothing is taught until it is learned. And nothing is learned until it is lived. Nothing is taught until something is learned. And nothing is learned until it is lived. So I've just got three points. That was my introduction. Okay, I've got 16 minutes to get this thing finished. So number one, we're going to be rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. That scripture in Colossians 2. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. You know what? We've got to become fully persuaded around the word of God. But sometimes we get taken off track. Sometimes we think, yeah, this is what the word says, but. So what causes us to go off track? And I believe a number of things, but doubts. Doubts, unbelief, and storms. But we're talking about being rooted to be like that tree, to be rooted, grounded, established, like oaks of righteousness. What are oaks of righteousness? They are strong, magnificent trees. Let's become those oaks of righteousness and cultivate a garden of faith and weed out the unbelief. You know what? So unbelief comes, just weed it out. Just get rid of it. Just have a garden of faith. The Bible says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, tiny little, tiny little bit of faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. Sometimes we don't need more faith. We don't need greater faith. We just need to apply the faith we've got and start doubting our doubts in the midst of it. Then we just create, a, a, a cultivate that garden of faith. And let's not be moved by circumstances and the storms of life. Let's not be moved. You know what I was reading this week from Acts chapter 20, and we read about the Apostle Paul, uh, this fantastic, this great man of God. And, and in Acts chapter 20, it describes um, Paul's journey, and he says how through many tears and trials with the Jews plotting to kill him, he was going to go bound to Jerusalem where chains and tribulations awaited him. How many today here have been, have, have, have been chained, bound, and you know that tribulation and chains imprisonment awaits you? Anybody here today? No. <laughs> Praise God for that. But you know what he says? None of these things move me. None of these things move me. I just wanted to pick up a couple of things from that. He says, through, through many tears and many trials. But these things don't move me. And it's so good. I, I got this this morning. Many tears. We sometimes think of Paul the apostle. He's the super apostle. He's not affected by trials. That's not true. Paul was a human being like you and me. He was an apostle. 
He had emotion. He wasn't unfeeling. He had many tears, many tears. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. He said, none of these things move me. Yes, I might have a little meltdown, but these things are not going to move me. They're not moving me. And he says, where chains and tribulations await him. I want to talk about dread. I don't know if anybody here, or maybe I'm the only one who's ever experienced that horrible word, dread. You know something's coming up on the Monday. You know something is going on in your life, and there's a date, and you're dreading it. Let's, let's get rid of dread. Let's get rid of dread. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in this day and be glad in it. Let's, let's, let's start declaring on a Sunday night, none of these things move me. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the bank balance says. I don't care what my employer says. None of these things move me. It's time for us, for our roots to go down deep, to go down deep. Like the guy in Jeremiah 17, that even in the midst of heat and drought, we're going to send out our roots we're going to send at our roots. We're going to be firmly established, not looking to what is seen, but we're looking to what is not seen. In Paul's instance, it was the chains. It was the Romans. It was the Jews. It was imprisonment. But he didn't look to what is not seen. This isn't just stick your head in the sand theology. This is looking to the Word of God. This is about being rooted in him, rooted in what the word says. You know, Paul, the apostle, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And the majority of his letters that he wrote were imprisonment letters. He was in prison when he wrote the majority of his letters. And the book of Philippians, I love Philippians. It's a beautiful book. He wrote the book of Philippians. And the theme in Philippians is rejoice. And he's written this in prison. And he's telling, rejoice, rejoice, count it all joy. No, rejoice, rejoice. He was able to rejoice. How was he able to rejoice in the middle of prison? Because he was flexible. He said in, in the Bible, he says, he says, I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. We've got to learn some things. We've got to unlearn some things, and we've got to learn God's ways. Amen. Don't look at the current circumstances. Let's make sure that our roots go deep and wide, and let's not be dogmatic. This faith talk, faith walk, isn't about being hard and rigid and dogmatic. It's about being flexible. It's about being flexible. It's about being flexible. Let's not be easily snapped and broken, but we're going to look with the eyes of faith. We're going to be rooted and grounded, and our roots are going to go wide and deep. Jesus is not a taproot. Just later, please. Jesus is not a taproot. He's not just our Savior. He's not just our Savior, but He's everything to us. 
our Lord, our provider. He's not just our Savior. He's not a taproot. He's not a taproot. He's our healer. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our provider. He's our redeemer. He's our restorer. He's everything that we have need of. He's our Lord. Just in the preparation for this message, I looked up a whole host of information about trees. And I discovered about a palm tree. A palm tree doesn't have that single tap root, but instead it has numerous fibrous roots which can spread out a hundred feet from the base of the tree. This is what anchors them in the midst of a hurricane. Every year on the TV we see Hurricane Arnie, Hurricane Beverly, Hurricane um, Clive approaching the coast of America every year the hurricanes approach, and we see the devastation that they cause. Those hurricanes, storm force winds, hurricane force winds, pick up cars, rip roofs off the the buildings, can pick up a a, a caravan and just discard it. This is how severe a hurricane is. There's flooding, there's power lines down, you name it. But after the storm, what's remaining the palm tree. There stands the palm tree. Maybe it's lost a couple of its leaves. Okay, but that's all right. But it's still standing. Why? Because the palm tree doesn't just have a taproot. It has these fibrous roots. And with the water and the intensity of the wind, it formed this root ball. Acts like a fulcrum. It's like a fulcrum at the bottom of that palm tree. And so the palm palm tree is able to be flexible on that fulcrum. It sways, but it doesn't snap. It doesn't break. And that's what we need to be like. Let's not be broken through the storms. Let's be flexible. Let's make sure our fulcrum is, is rooted, established in Jesus when the storms come, let's make sure. 1, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Be steadfast, immovable. So we're rooted in him. We're also rooted for purpose, and that is to bear good fruit. That is, that's why we need to be rooted. John 15 verse 8 says this, By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Not the crowd. You'll be my disciples. Whatever we're rooted in will cause that particular fruit to grow, right? You plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree, right? Matthew 17 says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So if we've got good root, we'll have good fruit. We'll have good, good fruit, but we've got to stay connected to the vine. John 15, he's the vine, we're the branches. Let's abide in him. Let's remain in him. Let's drink deep of that life-giving sap. 
It's there for a purpose. All the nutrients that we have need of are in him. And as we do so, as we abide in him, as we remain in him, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is born through us, displayed on us. And the interesting thing, though, is that as we go on this journey of discovery of who God is, who Jesus is, that we are rooted in him, do you know what we find out? We find out, we dig deeper into the word, and we find out more about him. But something else, we find out about ourselves in the process. John, John 8, 31, Jesus says these words, that if you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But you've got to abide in the word, and then suddenly you realize you get to know the truth about God and about ourselves. Jesus wants us to move from the crowd experience to being disciples. Something that I found is that as we draw closer to God, as we invite him deeper into a deeper, the more deeper intimate relationship with him, we discover that the word reveals shadows in our lives. Reveals shadows in our lives. The word of God is a revealer. It's a revealer. The, word, the Bible says that the word reveals the thoughts and intents of our heart. And, you know, just recently as a church, we fasted. Only seven days. Praise God for that. Seven-day fast. I know some people carried on a little bit longer, and I, I'm, I'm trusting that you heard from God during the seven days. But my wonderful husband here, he prayed a specific prayer during the seven-day fast, and that was that God would reveal blind spots in our lives. And um, thought, oh, okay, off you go then, Chris. Enjoy. <laughs> Guess what? God revealed blind spots in my life. And, um, and it was quite, you know, what is a blind spot? It's something that's hidden from our own lives. Um, it might be hidden from our sight, but other people can see it. You know, it might be something in my life that I don't see. But Chris sees it, or other people see it, and think, oh, there she goes again. You know, those are blind spots. And so I'll just share my blind spot. Nothing major. Well, ish, sort of. But, um, you know what, growing up, um, my mother was a very sort of harsh woman. And um, she grew up living in Wales, and her father was very, her mother had died when she was four. And um, so my mother was raised by her father, and he was harsh. He was harsh. He was cruel. He was really cruel. And that had an impact on my mother. So my mother was harsh. She wasn't cruel, but she was pretty hard. And so she had this thing about perfectionism. And, um, and so 6 o'clock every morning, we'd be sleeping... Uh, I, I, myself, my, my brother, and my sister, we'd be sleeping at 6 a.m., she'd come into the bedroom with the vacuum cleaner on and slam the door open, switch on the light, come on, you lot, get out of bed, it's time to get up. 
And every, every single morning, she was like this. That when I heard that vacuum, I used to be like, oh, here she comes. <laughs> Brace yourself. And I hadn't realized until re this couple of weeks ago what impact that had on me. And on a Tuesday, we go down to Empower Centre Portsmouth and we have pastors' meetings and various other things that happen down there on a Tuesday. So on a Tuesday, and actually also on a Sunday when we come to church, we have to get here pretty early. And so Tuesday, I'm running against the clock. And I've real I didn't know I was doing this. I would get up out of bed and start rushing around. I'd act like my mother, like this crazy woman with a vacuum cleaner. I wouldn't switch on the vacuum, but I would, I would go, I've got to hurry up. I've got to hurry up. I've got to be down in Portsmouth like in 20 minutes. Do you know that Eastern Road is closed and the backup on the traffic on the M27? It's horrendous. I've got to get there. And every Tuesday, this is what would happen. I would be from going from here to here, from the wardrobe, say to the bathroom. And every Tuesday, Chris would stand in front of me in my way. He's in my way. And I, so I didn't realize I was doing this. I'd roll my eyes. Nobody else does that, only me, right? <coughs> so I'd roll my eyes. <coughs> Sorry. Roll my eyes. Um, and then Chris would start step. And then I'd go from the bathroom back into the bedroom, and there he is again. He's in my way. I'd start tutting. I'd start huffing. Until eventually we had a conversation. We've been married for 27 years. It's taken 27 years for me to realize my blind spot. There's something wrong in my life. Okay. I'm blaming my mother. <laughs> She's She's been gone years. But you know what? I, I, I could either carry on with my blind spot and I, irritating and annoying my husband every Tuesday morning, every Sunday morning, or I can get rooted and grounded and established in the Word of God when the Holy Spirit reveals my blind spot. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. You know what? He does it for our good so that I can grow, because that's what this year is about. It's about us growing. And so I want to suggest to you, where does this leave you? Yeah, you're not going to get away with this, okay? On that, on that slideshow, we saw a thing about mentoring. And this, this thing will be rolled out during the year. But you know what? Maybe you don't see your blind spot. But why don't you, all of us, just do this. Try this. Go to somebody that you love or that loves you and that you trust and ask them what they think of you. There's no, I don't want to hear that this has gone badly. We love one another, okay? We are rooted and grounded in love, which is my next point. But, but in, a, in a building way, in an encouraging way, what do, what do my loved ones think of me? My husband showed me, this is annoying. This is irritating. <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry. I've been able to repent. And guess what? I thrive on Sundays. This morning, we got up 10 minutes earlier. We didn't have an eye roll. We didn't even have a huff. We arrived here calm. 
Tuesday, it's going to be the same. We're going, to, we're going to have breakthrough in our lives. But you know what? We've got to give the Holy Spirit time to, show, to shine his light in our lives and to show us where are our blind spots. I've got another point, and I, but I'm, I haven't got time for it. But I want us to just be aware that whatever we're rooted in will be displayed as fruit. You know what? We need to be rooted and grounded in God and in his love. Let's make sure. Um, Ephesians, just write that scripture down. Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. Let's be rooted and grounded in love. It's so key. It's so essential. And actually, I want that scripture to do, to just put it up. Ephesians 3, talking about that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, how? May be able to comprehend with all the saints. Being rooted and grounded in love. Do you know what? I can be rooted and grounded in love all day, as long as I don't see anyone. And then I get around people, it's like, eh. No, but you've got to get rooted and grounded in love with all the saints. This is how it happens in community, in family. This is how that love grows. We're not going to avoid each other, walk on to the others. Good thing about a mega church, you can choose which door to go in. Because you know, you know that my thorn number three always comes in at that door, and I want to avoid them. So I'll come in this door, and I can avoid them. In a smaller congregation, you there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. So let's make sure that uh, we comprehend with all the saints, not in isolation. God's called us to community, not to isolation. And I'll finish with this thought. Growth in a tree. When there's growth in a tree, you get those rings. That's how they can tell how old a tree is. If they were to cut the tree, you'd see these growth rings. Let's not be a hollow man or a hollow woman and have no growth rings. If you were a tree and God was to chop you in half, would he see growth rings? I believe he would. But allow the growth rings to take place. Let's not be empty, 100-year-old oak trees. Let's make sure we've got some growth rings established. So I'm going to finish with Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now listen to this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, that you've got us on a journey of growth this year. Lord, I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit will be uh, manifesting in our lives in abundance as we draw closer to you, as we are rooted and established firmly in you and in your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that... Uh, 
that as we spread out our roots by the river, as we spread out our roots, that we draw all the nutrients that we have need of in you. Thank you, Lord, for the life-giving sap of the, of the vine flowing through us, the branches, that we will be fruitful, that we will flourish and be filled with the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I just want everybody to keep your eyes closed, head bowed. At the end of every service, we always give people the opportunity to make right with God. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today is your day. The words that you've heard today are not about being a good person. They're not about living by a set set of rules. But it's about surrendering our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. He paid the price for our sin, for your sin and for mine. The sin of the world was laid upon him so that when we believe in him, we can receive eternal life. So if you want to receive Jesus today for the first time in your heart, why don't you just slip your hand up and I'll be pleased to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Let's just, let's just stand to our feet. Let's just pray this prayer together. Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for taking my sin upon yourself, for going to the cross, for dying but God, for you, for raising him from the dead. I thank you, Lord, that by believing in Jesus, I am born again. I'm a new creature in Christ. And I receive you today afresh in my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God.